church uses creeds such as the Apostles' Creed to articulate the content of our faith. And uh, we don't just, uh, we don't want to just articulate our faith. We want to, we want to grow in it. God uses um, the, the creeds to help us to, to grow in our faith. And uh, I, I'm using as my primary sources of material, and, and Jim referred to this as well last week, uh, R.C. Sproul's book, What We Believe, Understanding and Confessing the Apostles' Creed, and also using this book by J.I. Packer, Affirming the Apostles' Creed, which is both, both of them are excellent sources of material. Um, but Sproul, a quote from, from uh, R.C. Sproul says, Valid truth is the faith to bear through a crisis. God gives us these truths of the Apostles' Creed to, to give us something to cling to, to, to help us through the, the day-to-day uh, life that we go through, the, the ups and the downs, the crises that we go through. You know, Jesus tells us that he has come to overcome the world. And uh, we'll be looking, as I said, primarily um, at, uh, at who Jesus is uh, in, in, a, in a global sense. We're going to be in future weeks looking in more detail about who Christ is. But today we're going to be kind of looking at him in a higher level. Um, the first the first section that I wanted to look at was this the first two words, I believe. What does that mean when when we as those who claim the name of Christ say I believe? Um, you know, if we if we have true saving faith we go through three different phases in our in our faith and the first one is that we we take in content these are the facts that we have about about God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit what are what are some examples of facts about Jesus that that people believe? Just throw, throw out some some facts about about Jesus. Virgin birth. He was born of a virgin. Creator of heaven and earth. Sinless. Okay. So these these are examples of things that that uh, that we as as believers. Uh, know about Christ, and then the second phase. So, so the first, the first phase of believing is, is content. The second phase is intellectual assent. Hey, I spelled intellectual right. Without without looking at my notes, uh, I went to uh, to Georgia Tech, and spelling is not one of our strengths. So, but uh, looks like I spelled it right. Um, so, in in content, we believe certain facts, but intellectual assent is that we that we know that those facts are true. Okay, so I know that the virgin birth was true. I knew that Christ was sinless. Um, 
But there's, there's another phase after that. We go, if you have true saving faith, you go beyond intellectual assent. Uh, in James 2.19, a familiar, familiar verse to everybody, uh, James, James is writing to the early church. And uh, in, in James 2.19, he says, you believe, in, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So in James, he's saying that even demons have intellectual assent about the facts of, of who Jesus was. But demons aren't saved. You know, they don't, they don't get to the final, excuse me, the final part of, of being, having real saving faith. So the third, third and final phase is personal trust. If we have true saving faith, we take a personal commitment to Christ. Um, in the creed, it says, I believe in God the Father. And, I, and then it continues on, I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, so we, we apply that faith to our personal lives. Um, this, this reminded me of, of uh, the time when, when I was in, in uh, college as a, as a, as a early Christian. And, uh, uh, I was, I was a member of the, uh, navigators as a non-denominational discipleship group. And we would go out on evangelism in the dorms and, uh, seeking to, to lead people to Christ. And we use this illustration to, uh, tell people what true commitment, true personal trust was. It was, it was a, an illustration. I don't know if you've heard about uh, the uh, tightrope walker and the Niagara Falls, going over Niagara Falls. Have any of y'all ever heard of this? Um, so there was this, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but uh, there was this uh, tightrope walker and he had the, the pole, you know, that he would go across Niagara Falls and all these crowds were there and they're, they're cheering and they're going crazy, you know, seeing him do this. And, and uh, so uh, he does this for a while. And then the, uh, he asks the crowd, he says, uh, do, you, do you believe that I, that I could uh, go across Niagara Falls with, with somebody on my back? And they say, yeah, yeah, we, we believe you can do that. We just seen you go across, the, you know, the Niagara Falls. And then he says, well, do I have any volunteers to, to get on my back and go across <laughs> The Niagara Falls, and it's like, oh no, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Um, so th these people, they, they, they knew that he could do it. They, they saw him do it intellectually, but they, they wouldn't put their own personal lives on the line and, and personally put their trust in him. So that's that's kind of an example, uh, an illustration of what it means to personally commit yourself to to Christ and have true saving faith. It's not just, it's not just what we believe in our heads, but it's, it's heart knowledge that, uh, that uh, is true saving faith. Uh, in Matthew 15, 8, uh, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
Because that's what Jesus wants. He wants, he doesn't want us to know a bunch of facts about him. He wants to have our hearts. And that's what true saving faith is. Whenever I, whenever I think about the Apostles' Creed, it, it, another thing that, that uh, sends me back in time in my, in my own personal life was when I went through a, uh, com- a communicants class when I was 12 years old uh, back in our, our church up in uh, Pleasantville, New York, when I got uh, dragged away to live up in New York for a little while. But um, it, was, it was a typical communicants class where um, the uh, pastor uh, taught the, uh, the, key, the young people about who Jesus was, what the purpose of the church was. And um, at the end of the class, they, uh, the, the pastor had me come to his office to uh, examine me, to, to uh, see what my understanding of my faith was. And so he, he asked me, you know, what do you, what do you uh, believe about, about uh, Jesus? And, and and what I did was I just quoted the Apostles' Creed, you know. Um, and at that point, I was probably, you know, I knew the content, I, I believed the facts, but I hadn't really put my full personal trust in Christ as my as my Lord and Savior. But whenever I think of the Apostles' Creed, I remember time with my pastor uh, in his office and reciting the. The Apostles' Creed with him. Um, and, you know, the, the, uh, as, as Savior, um, there's, there's, more, there's more in the, um, in the Apostles' Creed about Christ than there is God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And um, today we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at uh, the name Jesus Christ, what that what that means. Um, let me erase this. First, we're going to look at at Jesus, the word Jesus. Um, Jesus is um, his name, and uh, I was going to look at a couple of verses that uh, I was wanting to get y'all's help to read for me, if you don't mind. Would somebody be looking up Second uh, Peter one sixteen. Yeah, hold hold that thought just for a second, and then somebody else look up First John one one through four. Um, the the word the word Jesus um, is Greek for Joshua. Did you know that? And. Uh, Joshua means God is Savior. So that's, that's his proper name. That's his, um, he, you know, Jesus was, he was an historical figure um, from Nazareth. And his, his disciples 
gave different testimonies of him uh, in the New Testament. And we're going to be looking at a couple of those now. I think, Brad, you, you had uh, second, second Peter 1.16. Okay, so it uses the word eyewitnesses so that the, the, the disciples beheld him. He wasn't just a, uh, he wasn't just a spiritual being like the Gnostics, you know, Gnostics believe, but he was, had a physical body and lived, lived a life among us. Uh, does somebody have 1 John 1, 1 through 4? Okay, Taylor. So, the Apostle John uses, again, the, the sense of being an eyewitness. He, he refers to three different senses. He, he, re, he talks about having seen him and heard him and touched him. And uh, so, again, pointing to the, the personhood of, of Christ. Um, Luke, the one that the, uh, uh, the disciple of Christ who, who wrote the uh, the apostle the, the gospel according to Luke and Acts he was considered in antiquity one of the most uh, one of the most trustworthy uh, historians of antiquity and not not just among Christians but in, in general and uh, so we have a lot you know a lot of, of what we know about Christ through the, through the book of Luke and, and Acts. So Jesus, he was he was Mary's son. He was a he was a uh, son of a carpenter, and he became a carpenter himself. Um, he he had a ministry for three years among us, and uh, he was put to death by the Roman authorities and lived to about the age of thirty, eighty thirty. Um, so these are these were physical things that that happened to to uh, to our Savior. The uh, The next part of his name is Christ. And that is um, more of his title. Being our Messiah, and we, when we confess uh, Jesus as Christ, we identify we identify Him as our Savior and our and our King, and He is the one that the the nation of Israel had had longed for, had looked forward to throughout the throughout the uh, the Old Testament scriptures and Isaiah and Daniel, um, and the 
the two main ways that we see Jesus as as the Christ or the Messiah in the old in the Old Testament is as the Son of David and the Son of Man. I wanted to uh, to look at those um, in a little more depth. This is one of the most popular uh, messianic types of, of Christ. He was the Davidic king. Um, he, he uh, David, was one who excelled as a as a military hero and as a as a monarch over the nation of Israel. Um, according to the, the Old Testament, was be, to be of the line of David. Um, can somebody look up and read for us a, a passage that, uh, and Taylor, I'm going to call on you to do this if you don't mind. Um, Psalm 132, verses 11 and 12. And this clearly points to, to, cry, to, to the Lord swearing to David that one of his sons would sit on the throne forever. Okay. Bible uses this term of Christ being the son of David. This is talking about his kingship, his um, being an earthly, more of an earthly figure. And then we see in that passage from Psalm 132 that, that the Lord swore to David that one of his sons would, would sit on the throne forever. And that again is pointing to, to, uh, to Christ. Um, and when we, when we look at the, the genealogies of Christ in Matthew and Luke, we, we see it very, very clearly that he was part of the lineage of, of David. The, uh, the second de designation of Christ, Son of Man. And that points more to his being our savior. This is a heavenly figure.
Um, sometimes when when we use, when the term Son of Man is used in the New Testament, it's kind of confusing. Um, but this term Son of Man was the most frequent term that Christ referred to himself as. Anyone guess how many times Christ referred to himself as the Son of Man? Eighty-one. Very good. I was I was reading scripture last night or this morning sometime, and I saw boom, boom, boom. It's just it's just throughout throughout scripture. Um, and this this term "Son of Man" it refers to uh, the apocalyptic uh, Messiah in Daniel, a heavenly being who is going to to judge in the future. And I wanted to. Uh, Read one passage where it's talked about in Daniel. Greg, would you be ready to read this for us, please? Uh, Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Okay, so again, we're seeing here a future prophecy of the coming Messiah. And it, it talks about uh, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. It's one that would last for all eternity and it shall not pass away. Um, his kingdom shall not be destroyed. Um, so this is, uh, again, uh, pointing to, to Christ and his his splendor, his power, uh, his being a heavenly being. Um, and so these, these two terms, the son of David, son of man, um, Jesus, uh, uh, it, it was it, the, the council of Chalcedon in, in AD 451 referred to Jesus as being truly God and truly man. And these two terms point to, to that being true of Christ. Okay, so that's, that's talking about his name, Jesus Christ. And we want to move on to the next part of the uh, Apostles' Creed where it talks about him being his only son. Talking about Jesus being the only, the only son of, son of the Father. Need a need another volunteer to read from John one, verse one, and then skipping over to verse fourteen. 
Jim, would you? Well, I, I, yeah, Jim, if you don't mind reading that. John 1, verse 1. And the was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes, sir. Okay, so so in that in that very familiar passage in John, we see that that Christ was Christ the Son uh, was with the Father in creation and was in fact truly God. Um, and then it says in verse fourteen that that He became flesh, and He was the only Son from the Father. Um, and uh, so that word "only" is is the the primary word that we're looking at now. Um, you know, as as the uh, Son of God, Jesus is of the same essence of the Father. There, there's three different persons in in the uh, the Godhead, the Trinity, but they all have the same essence, the same being. Um, Jesus in in John ten verse thirty said. I and the Father are one. And, um, you know, when, when, we, when we think of Christ being the only, the only Son of the Father, what does that suggest about the relationship between the Son and the Father? What, does that, what kind of senses does that give you? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? I'm sorry? Shared nature? Okay. What does it tell you about the closeness of them? Intimate. Good word. Intimate. Um, and it's unique. You know, it's a, it's a unique relationship. But I think, I think the word intimate is, is, uh, is, is the key here, is that there's a, a, a real, you know, Christ just didn't go through his ministry on his own, he had a, a deep personal relationship with his with his father, and we see that throughout the uh, throughout the uh, New Testament. Um, and we see it. One of, one of the main ways that we see it is in the Mount of Transfiguration, when um, Jesus ascended to a high mountain with with Peter, James, and John, and we see that uh, Jesus is face shone as, as uh, like the sun when he was talking to Elijah and Moses. And uh, God the Father speaks audibly and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And again, that, that points to the, the intimacy between the father and the son, him being his only son. Okay. Um. And Jesus, you know, he wasn't just a he wasn't just a creature to, created to complete a task, um, but he was very God, a very God. He was the second person of the Trinity. Um, one of my one of my favorite passages about about who Christ is is in Philippians. Philippians two. 
verses 5 through 11. Who haven't I picked on yet? Elijah. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. passage about about who Jesus is you know it talks about him being in the form of God um, it talks about him being humbled and then exalted uh, to to uh, see, he's eventually going to be and is now sitting at the right hand of God um, and it talks about him being Lord and uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful passage about who Christ is. So that's that's talking about only son. And then finally, I wanted to uh, talk about him being our Lord. You know, Lord is is one of the the most exalted titles that's given to. To Christ, and it refers to somebody who's in power or authority. Um, you know, it, during the uh, the days of the early church, one of the things that the uh, early Christians were supposed to do was to recite the fact that Caesar is Lord, and they couldn't do that. You know, they they knew that Jesus was Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And so they were willing to, to die rather than to, to say that, uh, that Caesar was Lord. Um, they knew that Christ had absolute authority and power. Um, you know, Christ is not only the Lord, but he is, he is our Lord. We, again, we talked earlier about what, what true belief is, is taking personal trust. He is, you're taking ownership in the relationship with, with Christ. Um, another quote from R.C. Sproul. He says, at the heart of the Christian faith is the believer's personal submission to the authority of God's exalted King. Part of the Christian's faith is the personal submission. So when we truly come to Christ, we're, we're giving ourselves over to him completely uh, as, our, as, our, as our Lord and Savior. And then he goes on to say, and uh, Sproul does, he says, to say Lord and mean all that it implies cannot be done apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't gut out being Christ-like on our own. We have to depend upon the Holy Spirit working in our heart to, to be more like Christ. And we can't forget that, that it's, it's again, everything in our, involved in our salvation is God's work. 
bringing us to Christ and, uh, can, and uh, our sanctification and our ultimately our glorification is all in God's hands. And we, we depend upon the Holy Spirit to, to grow us in Christ's likeness. Um, that's a lot to cover, you know, to, to cover Christ's, Christ's life in, in a short period of time. But uh, I hope that has given us a, a greater glimpse um, of who he is and, and, uh, and, and glo- brings, brings him glory. Uh, but let me, let me uh, close in a word of prayer and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you, that you are high and lifted up, and that, that, but also that you are, you are personally walking with us day by day and that, uh, that we can cling to you and that, uh, that uh, you, you help us to overcome this world. And to, uh, we, we thank you that uh, we long to, to see you face to face when our time in, in uh, this, this world is over. And uh, we just pray that uh, as, we, as we go to worship now, that you, would, that you would be pleased with our worship of you, that you would um, fill our hearts with encouragement through the hearing of your word. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Well, thank you all.